The following program has been paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church. From the heart of the Pacific, in Honolulu, Hawaii. Church presents the Kingdom of God Crusade. Join us now for another hour of worship with Pastor Han, the church choir, and the band. We hope and pray that you'll find this next hour of blessing. Good morning, everyone. I'm Head Pastor Blihan Jr. and I would like to thank you for joining us today. We welcome you to the Kingdom of God Crusade telecast being brought to you every Sunday morning, not only here in Hawaii from 8 to 9 a.m., but also in parts of California from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XD TV channel 13 in San Diego, from 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC channel 13 in Palm Springs, from 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV channel 8 and Comcast channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU TV channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KLTR TV channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m on station KECY, Channel 9 in El Centro, California, and Yuma, Arizona. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR, Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO, Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW, Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah, parts of Nevada and Wyoming, as well as from 7 to 8 a.m. on Time Warner Cable Channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like more information on our church and view our Kingdom of God Crusade telecast in its entirety, be sure to visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. The Apostolic Faith Church located at 1043 Middle Street is the headquarters of the gospel of the Kingdom of God for the whole world with a sign on the roof of the temple, Jesus Coming Soon. A landmark in Kali for 97 years, an all prayer tower, the first of its kind in Hawaii, dedicated exclusively for prayer. The church was founded by the late Charles and Ada B. Lapam on August the 4th, 1923, and passed on to our late chief pastor, William M. Hahn Sr. in 1959, who continued the gospel to its fullness. We hope and pray that this telecast will draw you closer to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and be a real blessing to you, our television audience, saints wherever you are in the shut-ins, that is those of you in the hospitals and convalescent homes. And should you need prayer or someone to pray over you, please don't hesitate to call the phone number designated at the conclusion of the telecast. Today is Pentecost. It is a day for a true believer of the Lord to honor and remember Jesus. A day for the Spirit-filled to remember the sacrifices Jesus made on the cross and how Jesus' followers came together on that precious day, praying and praising the Heavenly Father in unity. And those mighty 120 Prayer warriors together were filled with His Holy Spirit. 
You're invited to come celebrate and learn of Pentecost. Services begin at 10 a.m. with Sunday school services beginning at 9. How does one define the Holy Spirit? And is the Holy Spirit attainable? Can one just by belief and acceptance receive the Holy Spirit? Is man able to give that precious gift to others? As difficult as these questions may seem, the answer is simple. Only the Heavenly Father has the power to give the Holy Spirit. And yes, if one desires that precious gift, then he or she needs to work for it. It's not easy, but when the Lord deems a person fit to receive his blessings, the Spirit will be poured upon the receiver filled to overflowing. The church choir under the direction of Emilia Hahn and accompanied by Edith Matsuki on the piano and Iris Locke on the organ will give praise to the Savior by singing for one and all the number entitled, When the Holy Spirit Comes. I invite you to sing along with the choir as the words appear on your screen.
Yes, saints and friends, the power and presence of our Heavenly Father will never steer you wrong. Thank you, choir. The church band under my direction will play the song entitled, Feel the Spirit. And in this devil-may-care world, we need the Spirit to overcome the daily trials and tribulations. Only with His Spirit will believers have the strength to move forward in Jesus' name. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet heavenly dove, stay right here with us, filling us with your love. Beautiful words to the song, Sweet, Sweet Spirit. Associate Pastor Timothy Hahn Sr. has chosen to sing this beautiful melody for you, and it will be accompanied by myself on the piano. Associate Pastor Marlon Bing on the bass, 
Trusty Souls Pass, Evans Boat Senior, Mason Asano Senior on the guitars, and Iris Locke on the drums.
Thank you, Jesus, for that precious gift, and thank you, Tim, for that beautiful rendition. The church choir will now sing their second number for today entitled, God's Wonderful People. When trouble and doubt fill your heart, tell a child of God, and they will take your cares to the Savior in prayer and thanksgiving. Praising God. 
The energetic and faithful members of the Apostolic Faith Church Orchestra, directed by Trusty Associate Pastor Evans Pro Sr., will play for you this morning the song titled Old Time Power. The vocal group, the Daughters of Judah, will close out the musical portion of the program, preparing you for the all-important reading of God's Word by singing praise and gratitude to our Heavenly Father with His glorious number entitled, Come Holy Spirit, Come. They will be accompanied by Christy Hahn on the piano. It gives me great pleasure to dedicate this number to our Hawaii Island pastor and his loving helpmate Walter I and Mrs. Darnell Tinloy. Both Pastor and Sister Chinoy diligently nurtured and raised their children in the gospel work and are now enjoying the fruits of their labor as their grandchildren continue in the faith and are now, in turn, laboring for the gospel work. May the Lord continue to richly bless you both and may you continue to reap the bountiful blessings of the gospel work. Thank you for your continued diligence and grace, Walter and Danelle. Have a beautiful Sunday. to gather his people of 
Shalom and good morning. I'm Associate Pastor Melvin Honda and would like to repeat our television time, stations, and locations in the continental United States for our viewing audience, especially if any of you plan to visit or reside in California, that these telecasts can now be viewed every Sunday morning from 6 to 7 a.m. on station XDTV channel 13 in San Diego, 
From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KPSC Channel 13 in Palm Springs. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KBTV Channel 8 and Comcast Channel 238 in Sacramento, including Chico and Fresno. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KBVU-TV Channel 28 in Eureka. From 7 to 8 a.m. on station KVME Channel 20 in Los Angeles, San Bernardino. From 8 to 9 a.m. on station KOTR-TV Channel 11 in Monterey. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KECY Channel 9 in El Centro, California and Yuma, Arizona. From 9 to 7 a.m. on station KLSR Channel 34 in Eugene, Oregon. From 5 to 6 a.m. on station KZJO Channel 22 in Seattle, Washington. From 6 to 7 a.m. on station KUCW Channel 30 of Ogden, Salt Lake City, Utah and parts of Nevada and Wyoming. And from 7 to 8 a.m on Time Warner Cable, channel 503 in New York City. If you'd like to know more about our gospel work and view our Kingdom of God crusade telecast in its entirety, please visit our website on jesuscomingsoon.org. And now concerning the schedule of gospel services here in our home state, Hawaii, services are held at the temple every Tuesday and Friday at 7 p.m. On Sunday, gospel services start at 10 a.m. and divine healing services at 7 p.m. Sunday school for all ages begin at 9 a.m. and prayer services are held daily in the prayer tower at 2 p.m. except on Fridays at 10 a.m. At Okamiki Branch Church located at 1361 Palolo Avenue, gospel services are held on Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. The same schedule is observed by neighbor island branch churches as services are also conducted by Pastor Reginald V. Castanera Sr. in Kanakakai, Molokai, by Pastor Walter I. Tinloa in Hilo, Hawaii, by Pastor Leonard K.Y. Asano Sr. in Koloa, Kauai, by Pastor Hannibal Espera in Balugo, Pikawayan, and by Pastor Vesper Espera in President Rojas, Cotabato, Mindanao, Philippines. At our Maui Branch Church in Lahaina, Maui, services are held every second Sunday of the month. You are welcome to attend these services. Regardless of church affiliations, there are no collections. However, if you desire to voluntarily contribute to support these telecasts and the Lord's work, you may do so by sending your donations to the address designated at the conclusion of the telecast. And now, I'd like to return our program to head Pastor Billy Hunt Jr., who will bring forth his Spirit-directed and Spirit-inspired sermon. Pastor Billy? Thank you, Melvin. It is truly wonderful, viewers, to have you sharing my sermon for today entitled, What Did the Upper Room Bring? Are you searching for the Spirit of the Lord so that He can lead and guide you in your daily endeavors? I guarantee that one way to discover Him is through the self-same gospel taught by Jesus Himself at Galilee and being offered by yours truly in this telecast as in all our telecasts, the past ones, the present ones, and the future ones. With your Bible in hand, we can proceed together. Our responsibility in these critical yet exciting times is for us to stay close to the Lord in prayer, worship, study, and application of the scriptures. We as believers ought to be encouraging one another and assembling ourselves in the house of God, more so as we see and feel the apparent second coming of the Lord. The Apostle Paul reminded the Jewish Christian congregation to leave what is thought of as being the good things of Judaism and ascend to the better things that are found in Christ. Thus, the experience of the upper room enhances and incites a greater personal relationship with God. The experience in the upper room became a milestone to every believer. From the very moment the Holy Ghost fell upon the saints that day and retaining its significance to the present day believer. 
Today, we ought to be striving earnestly for the furtherance of the gospel and working together to get into that one place where he wants us to be, just as they were on the day the Holy Ghost fell upon the 120. The upper room calls the saints to pray, perfecting unified hearts as each day passed. When God saw they came to the place of heart where he wanted them to be, he manifested himself. The exact formula works today, and Jesus is waiting for his body to perfect their calling as an individual and as a body, as his time to return is at hand. Who knows what God will do when he finds his church in the place of unity and righteousness? Is he a God of the present day? He certainly is. The scripture tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, with whom is variableness neither shadow of turning. Let us turn to Hebrews 11, 39 to 40, and it reads, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God, having provided some bitter thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. I am sure, TV viewers, that you are familiar with the definition of faith, which the Apostle Paul brought to us in chapter 11. The essence of faith is required that one might receive the things which are freely given to us by God. Receiving what the Lord gives us through faith impels loving obedience, good works, and fosters a growing relationship with the Creator of all things. Yet in chapter 11, Paul, through the inspiration of God, identifies the bridge that brings the past martyrs up with the present-day believers. Today, we learn of faith through their examples and sacrifices, and we should be extremely humbled because of it. Having resisted unto blood, striving against sin, yet without us, they are not made perfect. Yes, viewers, you may ask, how can that be? Simply put, we vindicate one another, with the similarity being that we both seek after a city whose builder and maker is God. We should be appreciative that the Lord Jesus does not forget the good works we may do, no matter what dispensation we lived in. Thus was the full intent of Jesus as he hung crucified on the cross. Those who died in the Lord and whose works do follow them are not excluded from the promise of eternal life, nor of the kingdom of God. Though they had no knowledge of his kingdom, neither were promised to have an inheritance, what is revealed in Jesus and freely given to us is offered to them as well. They lived by the inspiration of God. They embraced the promises and lived in the fear of God as seeing him who is invisible. Yes, their quality of faith, obedience, and works made them worthy to receive such a reward. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, 18 to 20, For Christ had also, also had once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also who went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once a long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Yes, the salvation Jesus brought reaches beyond the depths of the grave to those who died in their ignorance of unbelief. We, on the other hand, through this dispensation of grace, have received of the Lord some better thing. That is the truth of life and immortality as revealed in the scriptures. Thus, the mystery of godliness is brought to the surface through the gospel. Through it, we know where we are going and know what it is required of us to get there. We know what we are going to receive. We know in part what is in the kingdom of God, and we know fully that we shall be like him when we shall see him as he is. We know that in his kingdom there will be no pain, sorrow, or death, and neither will the elements that bring about these emotions exist. 
when we are redeemed from this sinful, violent, and deceitful world, we will not be asking one another, where is his brother or that sister? We will be experiencing a joy that is immeasurable and overwhelming, but it will take the kind of faith, obedience, and works that are plainly spoken of in Hebrews chapter 11 to obtain it. We read a similar promise inspired through David in Psalm 16, verses 1 to 3 and 10 11. Preserve me, O God, for I thee do, put, I, do I put my trust. O my soul, thou hast said unto the Lord, Thou art my Lord, my goodness extended not to thee, but to the saints that are in the earth, and to the excellent in whom is all my delight. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. Yes, Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. And the captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. We have a wonderful promise that our eyes should behold him in all his glory, and we shall see him as he is. Thus the measure of faith moved the disciples to assemble in the upper room after witnessing Jesus ascend into heaven. Let us turn to and read Acts 1, 12 to 15. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of names together were about 120. The Lord's final instructions were to go to Jerusalem and tarry for the Spirit. It was faith that urged and motivated the remaining 11 apostles and abandoned believers to proceed to the upper room. Peter numbered them, and they told 120. Let us consider the amount of effort Jesus put into for the cause of saving his soul. Jesus actively preached for three years. During this time, he healed, consoled, rebuked, performed miracles in the unselfish effort that man might come out of their sins. He sent out these apostles and appointing 70 disciples, giving them power over the devil to heal the sick and to cast out evil spirits and to preach the good news in the cities and places where he would have gone himself. The reward he received for his efforts were condemnation, rejection by the people whom he came to save, threats, verbal and physical assaults, arrests, humiliations, jailing, trial, unfair judgment, and then crucifixion to die and to be forgotten with his ministry in the grave. Let us read in Isaiah 53, 3-4. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Yes, Jesus came to earth to give his life. His sacrifice gives all sinners an opportunity to become a part of his flock. He is the good shepherd, and he has given his life for his sheep. He had and continues to have within his heart and thoughts the welfare and well-being of believers. As they come to him, he knows them by name and is fully aware of their needs, whether they be spiritual, physical, small or great. Yes, the sacrifice Jesus made was not just for Israel, but for all humanity. For God is no respecter of persons. In his eyes, there is neither bond nor free, male or female, Jew or Gentile. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Television viewers, have you made your peace and repentance with the Lord? Jesus certainly desires that you enjoy the physical necessities of life. But you must also understand that there is more to life than the accumulation of material assets. Jesus drew a conclusion for you and me when he said Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as one of these. And Jesus was speaking of the simplicity of the lilies in the field. 
Even Solomon, as he pondered life in the book of Ecclesiastes, admitted himself all is for naught and worthless if the final result is a life without or apart from God. Let us read in John 3, 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Perspective and values play an important part as to whether or not one will accept the Lord as one's personal Savior. Jesus wants you this morning, TV viewers, to take a closer look at what is at stake. It is not the house you own or the car that you drive. It is not the job that you hold, neither the promotion you may have just recently received. It is not whether or not you are a law-abiding citizen or a community-minded person. Salvation is not determined by one being a good person in this life. You and I came naked into this world, and certainly we can take nothing with us when we die. Paul tells us after death, only judgment remains. Salvation is an individual matter, strictly meaning you decide whether or not you will accept Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior. Jesus instructed Nicodemus, saying he had to be born again, in spite of being a Pharisee. Born of water to be baptized in the name of Jesus by immersion, and to be born of the Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in an unknown tongue. We read in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance is God's sorrowful sin. Remission is to have one's sins removed completely. The gift of the Holy Ghost is given to all those that believe, as the scriptures have said, then out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. The infilling of the Holy Ghost is God's presence within his people. It is a seal of redemption. We await the redemption of our bodies so that we can receive the glorious liberty as a children of God. Therefore, without hesitation, we preach that baptism is essential to salvation. The simplicity of water baptism in the name of Jesus confounds and angers the wisest of theologians and researchers of the Bible. We see in the scriptures how Jesus came to fulfill the law and bringing Judaism to an end with Christ, fulfilling every aspect of the law. The Jews were encouraged to leave the good things of Judaism and seek and abide in the better things of Christ. The scripture tells us how Christ is better than the angels, than Abraham, than Isaac, than Jacob, than Moses, than Joshua, than Aaron. Thus we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, was baptized by immersion. He commanded his disciples to do as so. Paul, Peter, and Apollos humbled themselves and were baptized and did administer baptisms in turn. Thus, how much more does water baptism apply to you, our listening audience, this morning, especially if you have not yet obeyed the commandments of God? Let us read in Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Jesus is appealing to one and all to save themselves from this untoward God generation. The day of visitation is at hand. The simple gospel will resurrect the dead and quicken the living to meet the Lord in the air. The simplicity of water baptism that bears the definition of an act of a good conscience toward God will present many believers sinless in the eyes of God. Thus, salvation in the trust sense is one of the faith of works. Have you ever considered what were in the thoughts of the disciples as they stood at the top of the Mount of Olives and watched their Savior ascend into heaven? As he ascended, it became materialized into more than the transfiguration, a miraculous event familiar to Peter. What were those words or unfamiliar sounds proceeding out of his mouth as he ascended? 
or of the two angels that stood alongside and speaking to them. Let us read in Acts 2, 10 to 11. And one of them looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, as ye have seen him go into heaven. The apostles were the major milestone in the birth of the Pentecostal church. Everything Jesus had foretold them came to pass, and that milestone of watching him ascend into heaven further solidified the authenticity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nevertheless, they were just as human as you and I, requiring encouragement and the constant presence of the Lord. While living in this sinful world, I am sure they felt a degree of abandonment and insecurity. In the company of Jesus, they experienced a severe and intense assault of their faith, and now they were about to suffer the same things, but without Jesus. The faithful few were tasked to spread the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. However, the world as they viewed it was solidified in their own beliefs, and the task may have seemed overwhelming. They knew of the faith Jesus spoke of and of the level of faith which he tried to develop within them. They experienced the power given them by Jesus to heal the sick and to cast out devils. However, they could always return to the Lord and enjoy his physical presence at the end of the day. Now, it was their faith that they had to rely on. In essence, they were at the crossroads of their spiritual lives, and the experience of the upper room would nullify the concession, what will happen to them in the ministry. Let us read in Acts 4, 1 through 4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, in Acts 2, 1 through 4, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came the sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Unfortunately, many in the Christian realm find tarrying for the Holy Ghost is a thing of the past. The wise and prudent of the Christian realm have concluded that the existence of the Holy Spirit is evident amongst all believers and being filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. It is a privilege of one of many gifts of the Holy Ghost. The gift of tongues is not given to all. Therefore, it cannot be used as confirmation identifying one has been filled with the Holy Ghost. To distinguish and separate the speaking in tongues as a gift only and not the biblical evidence of one being filled with the Holy Ghost misleads many believers and will leave them incomplete, spiritually empty and unsaved. Yes, television viewers, you must be born of water and of the Spirit in order to enter to the kingdom of God. Water-washed, blood-washed, spirit-filled, and living a life above sin until Jesus comes in clouds of glory is the motto in this church, and you should adopt it as well. Now, what happened on that notable morning of Pentecost? It's considered a phenomenon, and nothing was by coincidence but purposed by God. Did you know that when Jesus went to Jerusalem as he prepared for the Feast of the Passover, that he was the unblemished lamb to be sacrificed, and this would bring an end to all future Passover feasts? Did you know that he was to be the temple that was to be broken down, then rebuilt on the third day, being resurrected from the dead? Did you know how the Feast of Harvest, that is counting seven Sabbaths and on the morrow, numbering 50 days, they were to celebrate the harvest that is Pentecost? Did you know that after Jesus' resurrection from the dead, he walked the earth for 40 days, teaching and preaching the things that pertain to the kingdom of God? And it was after 10 days of tarrying that the Holy Ghost fell upon them on the day of Pentecost. The manifestation of God was never before experienced by the world. What the inhabitants of Jerusalem initially heard could not be related to anything spoken by man's mouth. The power that was felt in the upper room and the presence of God that aroused the interest of the millions in Jerusalem characterized that something miraculous had been done, and to them it could not be explained. 
what they saw and heard in their respective native tongues were of the things that pertain to God. However, they marveled even more when those that were speaking were mere Galileans, the majority being unlearned men. Reading the 7, 8, 11, and 12 verses of Acts chapter 2, and they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all of these we speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our tongue wherein we were born? We do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying to one, one to another, What meaning of this? Thou born of the Holy Ghost on the day, spiritually surpassed the roar, volume, and magnitude of the mighty Niagara Falls ten times over. The phenomenon was the least of the apostles' expectations, but a very much anticipated one. Something was destined to happen, but they did not know what. They anticipated the power Jesus spoke of, but they did not anticipate the overwhelming measure of power and magnitude that was manifested. Have you felt the power of the Holy Ghost as they did? And as we have here daily at the Apostolic Faith Church, everything came to light through the experience of the upper room. The Holy Spirit with whom John the Beloved addressed and recorded in John 7, 37 to 39 was present with them, the Comforter and Anointing, whom Jesus frequently spoke of during his time with the disciples, was now present with them and the evidence of his spirit was felt eternally. It was something new and powerful, and it confirmed the word of God. Sincere believers were now experiencing the indwelling Christ, whether they were Jew or Gentile, in the same manner as 120 did on the day of Pentecost. The sound, noise, and commotion heard that day were under, misunderstood by the onlookers who could not comprehend the miracle being demonstrated before them. The onlookers erroneously concluded they were looking at drunkards, mourners, and fanatics. Such was the case when God restored Israel and put it upon the people's hearts to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. They were in one heart, one mind, and in one accord. In spite of these centers and enemies of Israel, they pressed on in the restoring of the temple. As the temple foundations were being laid, Israel rejoiced such that the sound could not be distinguished from the joy of the morning. Let us read in Ezra 3, 10 to 13. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set their priests in their apparel with trumpets and the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinance of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by chorus in praising and giving thanks unto the Lord because he is good for his mercy endureth forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. And many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers who were ancient men that had seen the first house when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes wept with a loud voice. And many shouted aloud for joy so that the people could not discern the noise of the shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout and the noise was heard afar off. The similarity between the experience of Pentecost and Israel during the time of Ezra was how the people rejoiced. Can you imagine the 120 down on their knees with their hands lifted up towards the heavens in victory, praying, tearing, yearning, and crying for 10 days with each day growing greater with intensity? They proceeded in faith in pursuit of promise, not knowing what would happen or when it would happen. They were in the midst of the materialization of God's plan with the confirmation of Pentecost being the objective. We can draw that conclusion as we look back today. Yes, we learn from them is what faith ought to be in our lives. Israel, who labored to rebuild the temple, did so under extreme hardships. Onlookers sought to cause division and confusion and attempted to discourage the restoration by placing stumbling blocks in their path and progress. Nevertheless, 
the laborers pressed on. And when the time came to lay the stones that would begin the restoration of the temple, the people rejoiced with a shout that could be heard abroad, intermixed with the weeping of the elders, whose joy was manifested with weeping as they could recall the beauty and grandeur of the former temple. If you would like to know more about God's Word, the Church and review these telecast presentations in its entirety, please visit our website at JesusComingSoon.org. Until our next telecast, this is your host, Head Pastor Blehan Jr., expressing my sincerest appreciation to each of you who have allowed us to come to your homes. May the good Lord bless and keep you all in the hollow of His hands. Closing today's program, I call upon the members of the Apostolic Faith Church Band to play for one and all the melody entitled, Pentecost in My Soul.
The preceding program was paid for by the Apostolic Faith Church.